This is Imagineer Ethan Reed, and you're listening to the Skull Rock Podcast. Skull Rock Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Goh and Dave Bossert. Welcome once again to the Skull Rock Podcast. If this is your first time checking out the show, welcome. Every week, Dave and I talk all things Disney and pop culture, with never-before-heard stories, behind-the-scenes moments from some of your favorite films, Disney films, of course, and uh, theme park attractions, performances, books, and much, much more. I'm one of your co-hosts, Al John Go. I'm a musician, lifelong Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan, and a big follower of pop culture. You can contact me at email, aljohn, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard, artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on the Saucera Radio Network. Like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Uh, Al John, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm still recovering from all of this uh, 50th anniversary Walt Disney World Resort um, afterglow, uh, as it were. Uh, did yeah. so many uh, shows, did, did a celebration uh-huh. with our Source of Radio DJs, and we did a show on our podcast with my wife and I at uh, Disney List, and then, of course, our big panel, which was uh, the the talk of the town, right? I mean, we had yeah, it was a, it know. was a terrific panel uh, we had last week, and, and and I will just remind our audience that uh, we did preempt the part two of Bob Kurtz, which is going to happen uh, on today's show. Yes, so um, I, I'm I'm thrilled that we have Bob back for part two, and uh, he is uh, in the green room chatting it up. Uh, <laughs> With our uh, furry little friends that are crawling around the snack table. Yes, we actually still have the virtual Dave back there. The virtual Dave bot is back there keeping him company, uh, <laughs> making sure go. he's a very entertained because I tell you, Bob is such a, a funny, funny guy. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's got to have someone to talk to and bounce these uh, all these great stories off of. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I tell you, Dave, it's been it's been a crazy week. But we do before we get into the the part two of the uh, Bob Kurtz interview. I also would like to remind people to get out there and review the show. We would love to hear from you. Uh, leave your your comments, your feedback, your review uh, over Apple Podcast and all the other podcast platforms. We certainly appreciate the subscribe. We appreciate the feedback and send us those emails. There's even a button if. You you go to Skull Rock Podcast. If you click on the message button there on anchor.fm, and you can leave us a voicemail like some of our uh, our fans of the show have done in the past, which is really cool. So uh, I encourage you to do that. And it's time for the news. Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. Must I ask, Dave? Must I ask? You saw James Bond, didn't you? Well, you know, normally, normally I don't go on opening weekends just because, you know, the theaters are so crowded when a big movie like this opens up. But this isn't a normal time. So uh, it is no time. It is no time to die, Dave. 
it, it is no time to die. I have to tell you though, um, a friend of mine uh, sent me a text on Friday morning and said, let's go see the Bond movie. So I did see it on Friday afternoon mm. in IMAX. Ooh, nice. Uh, and, it, you know, a two hour and 45 minute movie. It was fantastic. I mean, it was, I, I, you know, it was an, an amazing film. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, how can you not? You know, it's Daniel Craig's swan song. And I will tell, I'm not going to give away too much here, but I will tell you, Billie Eilish singing No Time to Die title song and the title sequence is fantastic. Ah. It's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. She does an incredible job uh, with um, uh, the song No Time to Die. Yeah. Uh, um, Hans Zimmer does yes. the uh, score. I, I mean, you know, it, there's so many things I can talk. We could spend the entire show talking about this Bond movie, but I have to tell you, it, it did seem to open on the lower end in the States, but it's already crossed $300 million worldwide. Uh, yeah. which is pretty phenomenal, Absolutely, uh, you know, considering what's gone on in the world with the pandemic and everything. But I have to tell you, it was a great film. I totally recommend people seeing it and see it on an IMAX screen if you can. Uh, I mean, the bigger the screen, the better, as far as I'm mm. concerned. Yeah, absolutely. No time to die. Uh, $56 million domestically and 300 million, as you said, globally, that is huge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. I probably I probably won't see it in a theater. I, I still, Dave, we still have yet to do the whole theater thing. Yeah, um, I know. Um, well, but, you got you got the will. little kids. Yeah, so, we got the you kids. Know, it's understandable. Yeah, we need to find a good babysitter. I think is what it's <laughs> what it yeah. really boils down to. Um, but having said that, you know, we also had Venom um, that came out this week too. Uh, Let there be carnage which also did pretty well too. Not too shabby. I think um, yeah. I'm trying to see what it did, but, uh, but at any rate, man, I think the, it's good to know that uh, bond is back. Uh, we look forward to seeing how well this film continues to do. Uh, I was um, recording some stuff on Hulu, including some, all the James Bond films to, to kind of uh, get psyched up for it again. So this is good. I'll be checking Excellent. all that out as well. And you uh, know, I, I, I will tell you though, I did go see another film uh, earlier in the week. I saw a special screening at the new Academy museum mm. theater, mm -hmm. uh, the David Geffen theater at the, the uh, motion picture Academy museum in Los Angeles, which just opened a few weeks ago. I saw uh, a beautiful 35 millimeter print of the 1935 bride of Frankenstein. Ooh. Yeah. Just to get into the Halloween uh, mode here. Uh, and that was, that was fabulous. It was great to see it on a big screen. Uh, not a very long movie. It's only about an hour and 20 minutes, but uh, it was really just wonderfully done. Great uh, music score to the film. Um, great acting. It's, you know, it's, it's a classic uh, black and white, you know, horror movie. Uh, and, and I wouldn't even call it a horror movie necessarily. It's, but it is, I guess, you know, it's a monster movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are those are among you know just the great classics, and it's always good to kind of revisit those. I like to go check out that Cesar Romero a Night of the Living Dead in black and white um, mm. all the time because it's just an amazing film. Sidney Poitier just um, so amazing, and then um, you know what else I checked out too. Speaking of films, um, Netflix has been putting out a lot of really cool content, but um, we saw Squid Game. 
So oh, what'd you think? Uh, I loved it. First of all, I, um, it, it's great that, that Netflix is, is going to get so much more international content and overdubbed and subtitled mm-hmm. content yeah. because, um, you know, I saw Midsommar like that. I think that was on Amazon. You know, we, uh, recently saw, um, there were some other films. I think they did a series midnight mass, which we ended up seeing as well, which, which was a great little mini series. So, but squid game was great. I mean, it's a little over the top. It kind of reminds you of, um, you know, it's a survival horror kind of, you know, yeah. movie, but there is some really cool twists to it. And while it was over the top and the way it was voice acted and everything, I think, which is typical for the Korean film genre uh, and that kind of, you know, I wouldn't say it's a pulp style, you know, you're the filmmaker, Dave, but it's a very <laughs> interesting, you know, it's an interesting over the top, you know, sure. type of content, but I, I enjoyed it. And a lot of people seem to enjoy it. My wife and I were like, Oh man, we are just riveted. So, uh, we oh, binge good. watched it. It was really cool. But, um, I, I, yeah. I know my, my older daughter, uh, watched, uh, the first episode of it. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I watched, uh, Muppet haunted mansion. Ah, that's on the list. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the list. It looks really cool. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, the Muppets are great. And I think that it looks like to me, they're back in, in rare form or in their, in their great form as it were in a 30 minute special yeah. or whatnot. You know, it's fun. You know, it, it was campy. It was campy and fun. Well, it's the Muppets. I, and I, it's the Muppets. I love the Muppets. <laughs> Same here. Well, uh, I tell you what else was fun is uh, revisiting black widow. It was uh, released on the uh, Disney plus platform outside. Of, now it's, it's, it's part of the service. You don't have to pay for that premiere access. So you can check that out. And I have to say, I loved it. You know, it was it's it's great. It's great to see uh, great Scarlett film. Johansson. You know, albeit you know a little late in the game, if you will. Uh, I think uh, Kevin Feige has always wanted to went on record as a always wanting to do a Black Widow movie even before DC had Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins come out with their film um, yeah. because Scarlett is such a strong lead actress; she could handle it. And uh, albeit late. It still serves to push a little bit of that narrative forward for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, there was a scene in there. You know what I love about it is that they had a a reunion scene. I don't think this is a spoiler gang because the movie's been out now for three months, but where the family sits down for dinner and it's a family dinner. And and you're like, this is uh, this movie tackles not only kind of the born identity kind of spy thriller type of thing, but it also handles a family road trip dynamic, which is really cool. You don't really see that in, in Marvel movies. And it's right. It's great that they're able to inject some of that kind of humor and that family uh, dynamic in, into this, uh, in, in a sister movie kind of, you know, a sister sisterhood movie into this uh, kind of genre of superhero movies, kind of a little bit of that flavor. And I thought it worked out really well, but um, Kevin Feige really was fighting for that family scene of them having dinner. And I think it really kind of captures uh, that family dynamic is very well. Um, so I'm yeah, glad he fought absolutely. to save that film, uh, that scene in that film. No, no, I completely agree. Uh, you know, again, Black Widow was another film. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, again, on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And definitely. I'm just going to keep saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A very, a very empower, uh, empowerment film. But I think it's just it just speaks to how strong the character is. No matter what the, you know, what the 
you know the genre or the um, however the the stars identify it, it it works out great because it's just yeah. about great writing and a strong character so well speaking of uh, disney plus we are uh, i guess getting ready to celebrate disney plus day november 12th once again so this is what two years now of disney plus day so, so is this an annual thing is this going to become a national holiday november 12th it might as well be <laughs> <laughs> yeah take off of work uh, november 12th for disney plus day game because you're going to drop yeah. a lot of really cool stuff including new content and highlight exclusive programming coming to the service and that's a special global wide fan appreciation celebration i still have my disney plus uh hat from D23 from uh, 2019. So I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, there will be treated to new content releases across all the iconic brands under the umbrella Disney, Marvel, uh, Pixar, Star Wars, Nat Geo, uh, and Star in the international markets. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else they're going to be doing. They've got other opportunities to surprise and delight fans, including photo ops. Disney Cruise Line will be rolling out the the blue uh, the blue carpet for Disney Plus fans with those photo ops. They also have some new talent uh, they're going to be trotting out there uh, for ABC, Disney Channel, ESPN, Freeform, all that other stuff. So um, Bob Chapek, the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, says, quote, the inaugural Disney Plus Day will be a grand scale celebration of our subscribers across the entire company. This day of appreciation brings to life our mission to entertain, inform, and inspire fans and families from across the globe through the power of unparalleled storytelling and will become an annual tentpole event to be amplified across our global business. So Dave, um, the great thing about this is that this is kind of like their keynote address. You know, anytime you have the new uh, shiny that comes out from Apple or Amazon or whatnot, they always have these really cool tech uh, style keynote addresses. And it's worked out really great for Disney in the past. So um looks like they're going to continue uh, to, I guess, uh, capitalize on this hype, if you will. Well, November 12th now is a major holiday. Uh, at least the Walt Disney Company should make it a holiday and give all their employees the day off. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here's a little preview. Are you ready for this? So they're going to yeah. have the streaming premiere of Marvel Studios Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, uh, Jungle Cruise, um, Disney Plus original movie uh, Sweet Home Alone, uh, which is going to be interesting as well. Uh, new animated series of shorts called Olaf Presents. I'm sure it's going to deal with warm hugs. Um, you're also going to see <laughs> Disney plus streaming fan favorite shorts from the animation studios like frozen fever, um, feast and Paperman. Great, great little film there. And the Mickey mouse short, get a horse and more. Uh, let's see. Oh, season two from the world. According to Jeff Goldblum from Nat Geographic, uh, national, uh, national geographic will be there. They misspelled that on the press release. Oh, someone's going to go. Oh boy. Those, oh, yeah. And then, uh, I've been like, seeing more and more of that, haven't you, Al John? I think people were—they're doing stuff so quickly. They're relying on spell check. They're, you know, <laughs> uh, they're just banging stuff out, and it's not getting proofed enough. Oh, uh, they—they they need to proof it. Use Grammarly, gang. Use Grammarly. And uh, or it's a, a legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett. So they're going to be doing some of that. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Looking forward to all of the really cool info and drops that are going to give us content to talk about for the weeks and months to come. Absolutely. So, uh, big fan of uh, WandaVision, Dave. Uh, were you a big fan Same of that, that series? I, I've watched it all. It's it's fantastic. I loved it. One one of the fun parts about that was just how fun Catherine Hahn is 
in, in the she, role of Agatha. She's, a, she's really a terrific actress. I mean, I've seen her in a lot of different things. She is really, really fantastic. And uh, this next piece here, I'm so glad they're giving her a spinoff series. Yeah, that's the, that's the, I mean, people say it's rumor and innuendo when people are talking about this spinoff series because it hasn't been officially confirmed. But it could be part of this Disney Plus uh, rollout uh, for Disney Plus Day. So apparently, um, her beloved character really struck a, a chord with a lot of uh, fans out there. And it looks like they've got the head writer, Jack Schaffer, uh, Schaefer, I guess, how you pronounce that, uh, will be writing the series and act as its executive producer. And, uh, you know, that looks like a great thing. I mean, Agatha... Agatha all along and uh, very, very fun. I'm looking forward to this show. I think anything right now that Marvel Studios is doing on the Plus um, network is, is is really quality stuff. So looking forward to that. Oh, I, I, I agree. I can't wait. She's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, over the weekend, I know that uh, almost 2,000 people plus by this point have had a hard time getting down there. If you're flying down uh, to Orlando um, to try to get to the Walt Disney world resort to celebrate the anniversary. I mean, we found out there was thousands of flights that were canceled on Southwest. According to uh, reports, uh, it looks like they uh, people are experiencing some issues due to, air traffic control issues and bad weather disruptions, which I had a friend of ours, uh, she was stuck in the airport, you know, overnight sleeping on, uh, you know, sleeping there at the Starbucks and was just having a hard time. Yikes. Yeah, it was, it was rough, but I tell you, you know, speaking of having it rough, Star Wars fans that were booking Galactic Star Cruiser there at the Walt Disney World Resort also faced a rough reservation process, seemingly, uh, I guess all the booking specialists were at capacity. Uh, I know Kristen was taking some bookings and they were, she was on for hours upon hours. It was kind of like the Facebook outage, you know, there was no end in sight. Oh no. <laughs> what are we going to yeah. do? You know, but uh, mm -hmm. hopefully people will be able to get on there. I mean, uh, it, it's not a, it's a pricey prospect staying there at the star Wars hotel. Um, but hopefully those people will get the reservations uh, they want. You know, and I hope the people yeah. get to the Disney resort in time, you know, you, you know, that's it's always it's always craziness when they introduce something new and you can't get it. You know, you can't get the reservation. You can't buy the product. You can't yep. do this. You can't do that. It's very frustrating and it's it's not good for the guest experience. Yeah. And yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's. um, Yeah. Operators were definitely standing by. They were full to capacity. So uh, hopefully by now they're able to make their reservations. So, uh, wow, go ahead, man. I, I can't wait to see what people do uh, in, in tweet what's going on uh, with their their stay at the Galactic Star Cruiser because uh, I'm mm -hmm. saving my pennies to go. That's for sure. There you go. There you go. I'm living my Star Wars dream. Anyway, Dave, uh, looks like that's the end of the news for this week. There you go. I think it's time for us to get uh, Bob Kurtz out of the green room and uh, do part two of our fabulous interview with him. He's got so many great stories. You got it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, as promised, we've got Bob Kurtz, animator, director, producer, designer, artist, all around great guy. He's come back for a second week 
to continue our conversation about the wonderful, amazing career he's had uh, in the animation industry. And uh, Bob, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's such a pleasure. <laughs> you, you, you know, I got to tell you, last week we left off with you essentially leaving Disney after yeah. having worked there for about two, a year and a half, two years. And uh, you started working at Format Pictures, which at that time was a big commercial house. And I really want to spend a little bit of time talking about doing commercials and titles and all of this incredible stuff that you did. So if you would tell me a little bit about Format Pictures, what was that all about? What kind of what kind of clients did they have? Well, it was called Format Films. Format Films. Okay. And what happened, it was, you know, started by Herb Klin. Uh, um, uh, a minor partner was um, Jill Single. And a bunch of UPA guys. And uh, it was, it was so active. Uh, we're doing, we were getting, we were doing commercials. We were doing industrial films. Uh, we started doing pilots for television, uh, which included Alvin the Chipmunk. Uh, we did Montgolfier, Icarus Montgolfier Wright, which was nominated for Academy Award. Uh, there just was, uh, if there was something that could be made, you name it. You know, and it just was, it, it, it was a, uh, for a commercial house, it was a large facility. I don't know, maybe 50 people, 60 people. Wow, that's a pretty good size for a commercial yeah, operation. I, it, I think it might have been like 20 at the start before we were working on uh, Alvin. And, uh, you know, Alan Sasloff was there as a director who had uh, uh, been uh, the protege of Bob Cannon. So I would, Bob Cannon would drop by and we would talk. He meant in the great Bobe Cannon, and I mean, another here. I mean, got to overuse the word "great," but oh my God, there's so many good people. Can, can and, you can you just give our audience a little bit of a background who who he was? Well, Bobe Cannon, uh, actually, like if you go back to the Dover Boys, which Chuck Jones directed, the style of the Schmear, all the animation, that's Bobe. Uh, Bob, you know, did uh, Gerald McBoyne Boing, uh, and was, of course, it was like, of course, I had an inroad to uh, Bob because at UPA, uh, Tihi and Bob Cannon were partners. Mm. Uh, uh, in fact, that's <laughs> pretty funny, but for a while when uh, I, I was writing with T, he wanted to rename me Bob. <laughs> he said he wanted to call me Bob, Bob Kurtz. It sounds like it sounds like how Frederick Bach used to say my name, Boob. Boob. <laughs> you know, and of course I didn't answer. You know, so he gave up because I'm not Bob. Uh, but you know, that's because our relationship was so close. But they had this close relationship, and they did like the Jay Walker budget's budget. Uh, I mean, there's so the great stuff and uh i had i got to work with bob cannon and i got 
it, it, it's kind of fascinating because I designed the album, the Chipmunks, the original Chipmunk characters, and they were never quite drawn in the show like I did them, uh-huh. except, one, except once. Uh, Herb Klein comes to me and he says, uh, I want you to design and write a Jell-O commercial and Bob Cannon is going to animate it. I'll go, oh, and he's going to direct it. And you can go on YouTube and look for Jell-O with Alvin. And it's the only time my characters are drawn the way I designed them. And they look good. I mean, I got in a crappy job. Bob Cannon does the stuff where it's uh, uh, just, you know, what they call design animation, not limited yeah. design. It's where you put the accents. Uh, uh, just, and by the way, he was, was like a saint. He was like um, the sweetest guy. Um, just very, very sweet, very nurturing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I was really fortunate, but I don't know if I'm answering anything, but yeah, we were real active. I was knocking out, you know, I was killing myself on uh, doing commercials and uh, Herb started involving me in every aspect of the company. And I don't know why, if it's just because, I mean, uh, I wasn't going to work for Herb. And T, when I was at Disney uh, on my last day, he made me go to format films. Really? Uh, yeah, because I already had a job. Ah. Uh, the, the week I got cut loose, I went out and on Wednesday went to TV spots and they hired me on the spot. Mm-hmm. So I had a job. And on a Friday, the crew took me out and got me drunk. <laughs> you know, because lunch and, 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 and I'm not much of a drinker. So, you know, they could just pass the glass under my nose and I'm gone. Uh, but I, you know, and I'm kind of tipsy, happy. Oh boy, I'm leaving Disney. You know? <laughs> no tears for me. You know? <laughs> and, I'm, and I come back to the studio. T was not at the farewell lunch. And I come back like whatever, two. And he says to me, I made an appointment for you with her Clem. And I said, I already got a job, T, and not Herb Clint, because I had interviewed with him a year earlier mm-hmm. at UPA, and it was the worst portfolio interview I ever had. Really? Uh, oh, it was terrible. Uh, uh, Don Graham, among all the other wonderful things that you know, he, you know, he that he said. One of the things he said is because uh, you know I, I showed him my portfolio. By the way, going back to the portfolio, we talked earlier the last session and how he looked at portfolios. I took him my portfolio to look at. And Don said, your portfolio's the best to come out of Chenard in, in, in some time. Wow. One, uh, that's wow. a nice compliment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Then Mark Davis also looked at it and said, I had too many sketches in my sketchbook. <laughs> <laughs> Mark had to find something negative, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. It's just that, you know, but I mean, the idea, oh my God. So uh, among the things he said, because you know, I told Don I had a job at Disney, he says, before, you know, how long, uh, when do you report? And I had like two weeks 
after school yeah. uh, to report. He says, go out and see everybody you can. This is really good advice. He said, go out and see everybody you can, because once you're working, you can't go out and interview. Let them know who you are. So yeah. I made the appointments with every animation studio in L.A. Wow. Uh, and showed my portfolio, knowing mm-hmm. that I was not going to. I, I knew where I was going. I was. But, but, but you let them know who you were. That yeah. was that was the important thing, because oftentimes, you know, it as well as I do, people who have gone to work at Disney, they kind of fall into that black hole and nobody outside the berm of the studio knows who you are. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, and, and again, you know, today animation is a huge industry. Yeah. When I was, you know, when I got out of school, it was intimate everybody almost everybody knew everybody you, you know? could count you could count on your hand the studios in town on oh hand. absolutely they weren't that yeah. you know it wasn't like uh, it took two weeks you know to go see everybody right right uh, so i i went to see upa and i remember arriving early uh in the morning and they had you know it's so funny because everybody drove sports cars you know so there's <laughs> mgs and austin healy's and whatever and they get out of their car this is before and they're brown bagging it and i thought because i had like you know i i i knew all the credits from the upa people i by the way i, I was like you know a mark Kausler. i knew all the credits yeah uh, of you know who did what at that time yeah and i'm thinking you're an artist damn it. it's like the kill band thing get out of the way an artist is coming you know <laughs> you know brown you know artists don't brown bag it so <clears throat> i go uh, i go to have this meeting i sit in and and the place is a little it's a modern place with a lot of glass upa it was it's pretty it was pretty cool look like oh this is a place to work you know mm-hmm. like post and beam type of structure and i'm sitting there and uh by the way at that point in time so different uh a portfolio was uh, like whatever it is 30 by 40 cardboard blackboard with little string ties you know yeah and yeah you carried it under your you know your arm you know right. big you'd lug it yeah you, when you and when you come I, I i miss the day when someone comes in with you know this huge uh, and then you open it up you know mm-hmm. and then, yeah. well he came running in and he was he was smoking a cigar lit cigar and he says and he talks to me real fast i haven't got time let's see your portfolio and he opens it about three inches and he starts flipping it like you know uh, like cards they just flipped and he goes uh-huh 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 meanwhile ashes are dipping <laughs> in the portfolio and i'm going like oh, f- he's gonna he's gonna set my only portfolio on fire you know and, and of course i'm scared still you know i'm just there to, uh-huh, you know and he's going uh-huh 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 then he closes it and he says at that time walking right by me by the glass and i could see him holding a rubber uh, a rubber cement jar if you remember there used to be those big yeah jars, sure you know? and and, and, the, and the brush the brush was attached to the cap yeah right exactly. yeah and screw it and you pulled out the brush that was yeah, yeah. So, so you had to walk you know so it's a you know 
looks like a big jelly jar with a thing sticking out of the top. And um, this guy walks by, who I know, it's Don Duga, who went to Chenard and who had uh, graduated before me, was a fine arts major, and later on went to teach at the uh, School of Visual Arts. Mm-hmm. He walks, just walks by, he doesn't see me, but he walks by and Herb looks up and he says, see him? <laughs> so I go and I look up and he says, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he says, you're willing to be a flunky like him? <laughs> and i go yes sir and so uh i leave and i think i mean everyone else thought i was you know that the portfolio was good this guy you know i was treated badly now t is saying i've made an appointment (laughs) and see this guy and i got a job you know (laughs) i'm going no no he says you're gonna go and so I went. And at that time, uh, and it's, you know, I'm walking down the halls and uh, he outside his office is his uh, personal secretary. Yeah. Henrietta, uh, wait a minute, her, Henrietta, I can't remember if it was Jones, but her first name was Henrietta. And, uh, but it says after it, Hank, and you realize what, she's got a really deep voice. And as I come there, I said, uh, I have an appointment with, you can't go in there. She yells at me. <laughs> <laughs> and from a slightly open door, I hear a real weak voice say, let him in. And she looks at me really like, don't you go in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go tiptoeing in with my portfolio. The same portfolio because could not take any art from Disney. I had no new art. Everything in my portfolio was over a year old. Right, right. So I go in. He's laying on the couch. He's had a heart attack, uh, a pretty bad one, I guess. And he's recovering. And at this point, he's laying there. He lays and he's speaking softly to me he doesn't smoke cigars anymore and he asks to see my portfolio and so he opens it up and he takes each piece out and he goes oh oh mm, oh that's nice and then he goes and it's the longest review of a portfolio it goes on and it's so unlike what happened before he goes on and on and i'm sitting there like i'm getting restless you know it's like i'm looking around the room and he's you know when he's through he says he says uh come to work for me and i said i already got a job (laughs) he says what are they? What are they offering you? And I tell him because I don't know any better. Sure, he sure. Says, he says I'll match it. Well, and I said okay, I'll come to work. Then I go as I walk out to the parking lot. I go, what did I do on Monday? This is Friday. On Monday, I'm supposed to report to two different studios oh, <laughs> to go to work. So what'd you do? What'd you do? 
I called up TV uh, spots, which is one of the nice things is that Format Films was run by artists. It's so different when studios are run by money people, by yeah. producers. TV spots was run by artists. It was two guys. I called them up and I, I didn't know what to say. It's early morning. I, I explained the situation. I said, I don't know what I did. I said, but I would like to try to go to work at Format Films. And mainly because Tihi had pointed me. Yeah, and he wanted you over there. Yeah. He wanted me over there and he physically, you know, just you know, made it happen. And he was so important in my life. And he kept getting more and more important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were so kind. They said, not a problem, Bob. Uh, you go there and we'll wait. And if you don't like it, uh, we have a job for you. Great. So a week later, I called him up and said I was staying. Uh, but that was, they treated me I mean, it was really nice because, you know, I expected to get yelled at, you know, like yeah. you, know, you you take a job and you don't show up. up. Yeah, mean, yeah. That's that's a no, no. Uh, I got myself in a, a situation. I can I can't imagine. I can't imagine how many people have ever taken two jobs for the, you know, the report on the same day. Yeah. Uh, you know. Anyway, that, but that was a, but that was the beginning of your your commercial work. That's uh, right. So so this is early '60s. I think Mad Men. You know, Madison Avenue advertising, and you know, and you're out in Los Angeles doing uh, commercial, you know, uh, campaigns, right? I mean, you're doing, yeah, and, and it wasn't just like usually not a one-off animated uh, 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 spot. That they would do a series of them, right, for a campaign. Oh, every, everything seemed to be a series. You went from tens or whatever, and then at that time, uh, though. Uh, there wasn't the budgets that later were for commercials. You had John Hubley in commercials. You had some great people doing commercials. And because you have a financial, you know, you don't have, you know, you, can, you don't have a Disney type budget or a Warner Brothers, even Warner Brothers type budget. Right, right. You had to be creative. And the designs were you know unique and you were pushing even though you know it was like uh it was a good area to to get into because uh it was so it was so competitive and so open and so welcoming good stuff i mean yeah. there was always some you know dumb old i mean you know just terrible crap yeah but there's an awful lot you know, coming up because then you get Blackman doing his stuff. You get, I mean, and, and you have coming from England, you've got Richard Williams, mm -hmm. you know, eventually, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, you have Oscar Grio, you have the competition is so tough and they're doing, you know, the English are known for doing torturous animation, you know, you know, like the charge of the light brigade. Yeah. Know, yeah. Tearing off, you know, a vodka ad, which is like, oh, come on. I mean, you know, it was like it out Disney Disney in yeah. terms of pain, you know, sure. for, you know, so it, it was it was a great time to be in animation. And yet 
by the middle of the 60s, it was horrible. Work had gone away. And, and and what why why did that happen? Was it just uh, sort of going out of fashion, or was it uh, the expense? What what was the reason for that? I don't know. It's a combination of you know, like the Black Cauldron was going to come, you know, whatever it was. Hanna Barbera had started, you know, taking over. I don't know. Was Hanna Barbera doing commercials during the sixties? No, uh, with some well, of their characters. The the latter part, they were because yeah. uh, when I was working at uh, form, uh, not format, uh, film fair, uh, yeah. I was. Uh, I it's the only place I, that I actually it was the longest place I ever stayed. I, I worked at uh, a film fair for three years. Uh, I was brought in as creative director, and they set up a company called Festival Films because I wouldn't work. <laughs> I wouldn't work in their office. And they had a, they show, it used to be a, a, a motel, and then they had a big stage. It was a big studio. Yeah. And they took me around, and where the animators were, these were these long, uh, they had a long closet kind of thing. It was like, it was deep. And they'd open the door, and at the end was an animator would look up. It was like he should have been chained to his desk. <laughs> and, and so they took me around, and my friend Dale Case was working there. Uh, great animator who later I did a lot of work with and I had met and I known him from Chenard and they, they took me and they walked me through and these guys were like in these, they look like cells, little narrow cells <laughs> and they were trapped and, you know, and so I, Gus Jekyll who owned the studio uh, after he showed it to me, I says, I won't work here. And he wanted me really bad. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I was like, I'm not coming here. I don't like it. I don't like your rooms. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't blame you on that one. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's so strange. You know, I don't. I I don't like this space. You know? <laughs> so he said, "Well, we have a house down the block," and they took me to it. There's a really nice house with a parking lot in front, and yeah. they said, "We'll name it, you know, Festival Films," and they gave me a large room, and they gave me a budget to buy the furnish my own office nice and i got an old chair and i remember a gorgeous old chair which i still have uh-huh. uh ted Getz, who was their finance officer vice president said you know i said i i told him i want this chair and i don't know it was like 450 500 <laughs> he goes what <laughs> you know uh you know it's uh, you know which is i mean they're now like 35 $4,000. Yeah, chair. yeah, exactly. I liked it because as long as you said you can have what you want, I want this, I want that, you know. And so they got it for me. Yeah. So it was, um, so what happened was uh, I started making commercials to change their look because they were doing Tony the Tiger, uh, Charlie the Tuna. They were really busy and they were tied into Leo Burnett. Yeah, out of Chicago. Leo Burnett was a big or is a big advertising agency based out of Chicago. And they handled a lot of the the Kellogg's and uh, uh, General Mills and Post uh, serial commercials. And film, I mean, uh, yeah, Film Fair did almost all of them. Yeah. It was so active. It was a, and the producers, for Leo Burnett were out here. They, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't in Chicago. So they did all this. And so they had at the time, Hanna-Barbera was doing the Keebler elves and it was uh, dark, muddy commercials, 
with over-the-top voices, you know, the typical cartoon voices. And I had started, because uh, I think the track is really, really important in animation. Yeah. I assume, particularly in doing commercials, I assume no one's looking at the TV. It's just right. an assumption I have. And I think the track has to grab you. And the track has got to be not cartoony, not fake voices going on. So uh, I think it was Leo Burnett again had come to uh, film fair and we had a meeting and they said, what could you creatively do? They were just, they were opening it up. So I created a look with a guy named uh, uh, Bradford, uh, who is, is, I think it was called Jolly, God, I can't think of his first name, but he had a series of books, a wonderful illustrator, and there were like vignette illustrations he did. And no one was doing vignette illustrations. You know, it was like a, a wash of a tree, but the background, you know, the ground is white and, you know, it's just little series of vignettes. And I designed the Keebler elves. Yeah. And uh, which is the, it's still the ones that everybody sees today. Right. So I had done a series of designs and then I brought in comedy actors, people from uh, uh, Broadway. I used real, uh, like real voices yeah. to do it. And uh, pa Parley Bear, which is kind of funny. He was, he was this a character actor, balding character actor. And I brought him in as the, you know, uh, uh, the main elf. And I remember him telling me, and he seems almost unlikely, he used to be a lion tamer in a circus. Yeah. <laughs> he would tell me his lion tamer stories. But anyway, so we got it. The, ca I, uh, the campaign went big, never got any residuals. I used to walk through airports. I see my characters. You don't get yeah. paid. Oh my gosh. It's funny. <laughs> it lives for a thousand years. Uh, I started to get work really hard that some of the characters that I designed that I would own after that experience because it was reused and reused. And you know, it's just pay for hire. You know, you design a character, that's it, end of it, and they can use it forever. Right. Right. And that that's always been the issue. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was a lot of those commercials, uh, Tony, the tiger, um, uh, rice Krispies, the Keebler elves, they kind of circulated around Los Angeles from studio to studio, because it was a lot of different studios that worked on them. You had duck soup out in Santa Monica. Oh yeah. They and, got into it in quartet films. Yeah. yeah. A lot. Uh, um, Sam, uh, uh, Cornell. Uh, yeah, Sam Cornell, uh, Cornell Abood. Uh, they were doing the Keebler Elves for a while. Um, the, the, it, but was that normal? I mean, was that sort of the norm of the business? They would just kind of circulate or would they be would the agencies be following people like you from studio to studio? They didn't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I did not like and uh, I did. I. Like uh, they would come and offer me to do Tony the Tiger, right? And I wouldn't do. You know, I we were doing work, and I wouldn't do anything. And somebody else started. 
I got you. I, I had this thing like, why don't you go back to the people you worked with? Yeah. I would tell people, sometimes they would say, uh, unless they wanted something new. Yeah. Like we did a raid once. Uh, now uh, you did, you did a lot of the raid commercials, right? No, only did one. Oh, who, who did, who did those raid commercials? Oh, I thought God. you would, uh, you oh. only did the one, huh? Uh, it started with, I think, film fair, uh, uh, but not me. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. He, uh, headed up, uh, Cal arts for a while. Oh, uh, Frank Terry. Yeah. Frank Terry did the majority. Of it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it was, it was him. Uh, I did one when it was going to be metamorphic and we, and they wanted to see how that would work, but, uh, I didn't, uh, I did for Leo Burnett. I did some breakfast stuff when it was the original we would do we did a couple of those and then of course they wouldn't come back to us uh i didn't like when i was when i had my company i didn't like to have only one agency i worked for sure uh, tech soup got into one agency for a long time and that, that, that's, that yeah that's that's dangerous because if you I, lose I them you're you it's, go it's under dangerous. it's dangerous on uh on uh, 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 two ca- uh, two accounts one is never rely on just one supplier, right? Know, supplier, supplier of work. But the other thing is you, your, your creativity is going to die. Right. Uh, uh, I, I, I'll give an example. Uh, Dwayne Crowler, who was one of the partners uh, in duck soup when they you know, started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dwayne uh, Roger and, and Roger Chenard. Yeah. And Dwayne was an, uh, a dear, you know, dear friend, old, old friend, and he passed away. He had an, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, he passed away before his time, or at least that we think it's before his time. Yeah. And they had a memorial and uh, his wife put together um, a series of, or you know, whoever did, but a series of, you know, his reel. Yeah. Yeah. And, my real when I put my given it's 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 like I'm real you know this follows that this one will be the joke this way this will be this in other words I got rhythms and I'm setting up uh, it's it's really important what follows what and there'd be contrast and well they showed six um, uh, I think it was uh, six I'm trying to remember what I mean one was uh, Fruit Loops. Six yeah. Fruit Loops in a row. Yeah. Well, there isn't any difference, right? And then some other cat thing, and there were six. Each one was exactly felt like the same. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, and I remember at the time I was single parent. I was with my daughter Boo, and I said, you know, I, I watched, and everything was whatever they showed was six of the same. Charlie the Tuna. You, if you watch six Charlie the Tunas, you're gonna, you know, your brain goes dead. I worked and on I six said, Charlie I, the Tunas. I know. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I looked at my 13 year old and I said, "When I die, don't you dare do this to me." <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, you I, can. Yeah. I don't. I I don't care if you show. You know, you're gonna show uh, ten uh, Chevrons. I didn't want one. I did more than that, but. Uh, uh, I, although I think they're more inventive, 
yeah. I mean, we didn't copy ourselves, but uh, I mean, that's a bad example. I mean, I'm thinking about it, but I, I don't want 10 of one thing. I, I'm, I'm trying, you know. Uh, you want variety. I, I, let me tell you where variety. Uh, yes, I do. I want to tell you, uh, share with you. When I was in school uh, at Chenard, uh, I'm very easily influenced by artists. In other words, I can get into, you know, an artist and I, and, and, uh, and so obviously I was influenced by Ronald Searle when I was yeah. in school. Sure. So I, knowing that I always would match my influences with somebody else who was the opposite. So Robert Osborne, who was this really streaky, loose thing. So it was tight, loose. So I, I've always tried to never follow one, have one influence. So uh, every time out, what I tried to do, and with my designer, Robert Palouse and Bill Davis, every time we went out, I wanted our style not to be recognized. Yeah, I wanted to do something new. Now, I think my style is recognized and the reason is recognized, I have a desperate need to communicate. Yeah. And so there's something in the way I communicate more than style. Because Kitty Salmon or Pink Panther or Chevron or the anti-smoking spots uh, or whatever you, you name, uh, Levi's, uh, they're different. But there's this, uh, I, I have this need to get your attention, and then hopefully make you laugh. Right. Right. Let me, uh, let me ask you this question. What do you think of some of these uh, serial characters like the Fruit Loops or, or um, uh, Tony the Tiger uh, being done? Uh, they, they were originally designed and animated as 2D animation. Now they're taking some of those characters and making them CG. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, it doesn't bother me. Uh, it just is good. You know, uh, uh, I know at times things get, they want to change. I, I, my own feeling is like, for instance, in, in those characters, they don't seem to bother me. I'll tell you uh, what at times I, I, and I don't know if I'm just become an old fart or what, but what they've done with Mickey is uh, at times, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll watch, and there's some really funny shorts being done now with Mickey Mouse. Right, right. Those are the, uh, the, the new, uh, more uh, designy uh, yeah. uh, Mickey shorts. But there's something about their, they have the Chris Felucci influence or something. Yes. You know, yes. I, they don't have the Disney, you know, for instance, uh, Eric Goldberg just did a good you know, series of goofies for Disney. And right. there's one with a mask and it's drawn differently, but it's so true to goofy and it feels like goofy. Yeah. You no, know, it's got the soul of goofy. I think that I mean I, I'm I, I'm just thinking about it as I as I talk, 
Well, I mean, I, I think part of the soul of, of of the character is not not just the way that it's animated, but it's also the voice, right? You got Bill Farmer doing the voice of Goofy. Well, I, yeah, I think it's it's a combination, but sometimes it's like, what is that character? I mean, I think it's interesting that I will hear a lot of stuff about Alvin the Chipmunk saying they don't like because obviously he's changed, yeah. but uh, and he's CG. But uh, I, and I'm, I'm sometimes really surprised that people go back to the original show, you know, uh, and they love that, uh, the simplicity. Now, even though yeah. I designed it uh, and it's simpler than I designed, um, there's, um, I guess you call the word charm. Yeah. And sometimes stuff is pushed in such a way is that character charming again i mean or is it whatever that character was supposed to be uh, i i i don't know uh it's like it's a combination of i think you shouldn't be a slave the way stuff is drawn like for instance the pink panther uh i redesigned it when i used it in titles but you can't tell i did yeah. i modified it. it's not the it still feels but it still feels like the, the patty right. freeling yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like well you know it's it's like if you had uh a character let's say you had bugs bunny drawn by first freeling or chuck jones yeah you know it's still bugs bunny yeah but, but you could tell something. the difference you could tell the yeah. difference yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. i think that i think we you know uh uh I'm such an advocate for 2D because I think drawing the pencil is such a powerful thing and it's connected to the brain. Yeah. And in CG, you, you have a tendency, or at least right now in our time, they want to go for so-called perfection, the uncanny valley, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the kind of, is it... How do you do lifelike by imitation, you know, yeah. and not creation? You 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 can't cheat. Uh, no. So uh, you can't use that, which is such a wonderful word in, oh, in traditional animation. Word. Is that you're cheating things? Uh, you're you're doing something that if you stopped on that one frame, you'd be like, "What is that?" What is you that? Know? But but it's uh, it, it works. You know, and, and I have to say that those new Mickey Mouse shorts that were uh, created by Paul Rudish, uh, those are those are wonderful. That's a wonderful uh, a variation on Mickey. I think I love them. Well, there, you know? there's some that I've seen that I have to agree with you. I thought were hysterical. Were just yeah. they were when I got to tell you about uh, my thoughts on CG. Really, it was done by uh, uh, Milton Glaser the great graphic designer mm -hmm. of, you know, of, of American graphic designer. Uh, they asked if he uses a computer and he says, uh, no, he says, because it's, it speaks a language, which is not mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think <laughs> it's interesting. The computer wants to do what it wants to do and you have to bend it. So what happens is, you know, I, and I've worked uh, fortunately, you didn't get to direct. So I, I worked with computers loud when I could say to somebody when I'm working with them, can we do this? Can, and he says, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. I love that 
I don't know. Let's sure. see. Let's go find out. Yeah. You know. So you, um, you know, you you mentioned uh, the Pink Panther, and I wanted to talk a little bit about your title work because, uh, really, in the uh, sort of early '90s, you started doing some some title uh, graphics and title animation uh, for things like the Jetsons, the movie um, City Slickers, City Slickers One and Two. Yeah, uh, th- those are terrific movies. I mean, how did how did that come about for you? Well, that uh, City Slickers is an interesting story. Uh, uh, Wayne Fitzgerald, great uh, title designer. I started. He had found out, found me through my work, and I started uh, assisting. You know, sometimes when he had a problem or something, he would call me up, and we started doing. I don't remember. I think Max Dugan Returns. Is probably the first one that I did for Wayne. And he was working on um, City Slickers with uh, Billy Crystal. And uh, Billy wanted to have some rope tricks in the front. Mm-hmm. So Wayne called me up and he said, can we have funny rope tricks in the title? I said, sure. So again, for maybe beginning people to know, I, I, no, I do not do rope tricks. And no, I do not know rope tricks. <laughs> I go to the Gene Autry Museum. I get a book on rope tricks. And I see the different kinds of things can be done. And then I made jokes out of them. Mm-hmm. And I show up with, uh, you know, uh, with Wayne and Ron Underwood, the director, and Billy Crystal, and I, I present my rope tricks, and Billy says to me, can we have an animated character? Uh, and that becomes a very interesting thing when he says, you know, and I thought, great, uh, you know, like maybe a cowboy, because the story's about a dude ranch. It's the reason they wanted it. Most titles have a problem. Why spend money on it? You know, you make a film and then someone says, let's put animated titles because we're so low on budget. No, it isn't what happens. What happens is almost everything I've worked on, they have a problem. And City Slickers problem was uh, they don't get to the dude ranch until like 25 minutes into the film. Nobody becomes a cowboy. Right. right, So they're going to have almost the first half hour has nothing to do, you know, with the title so uh you know city slickers what's that mean so they they start out with a bull run and then it goes to something else so that's my opening to connect everything so he's going back billy says can i have an animated character Uh, a cowboy and this is where I, i used to tell you know when i'm teaching i tell my students go out and live have a life. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, when you're in school, don't watch the same things your fellow students are watching. You know, uh, quit watching American television. Uh, look at, if you're going to look at film, look at Films International, look at Frederick Bach, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Dreesen, uh, Japanese films, uh, anything. Find out how can you find out who you are? You don't want to be 
the guy next to the guy next to the guy, you know. So you go out and you do things. Well, Cal Howard and I used to go out on all kinds of different little road trips and wandering. And we found on Sunday morning, uh, the rodeo set up by the Calhans out near Thousand Oaks. You know, you go off this dirt road and they had a little chain link fence and they had, you know, berserk horses and crazy bulls. And these guys having drunk, I mean, these are these are this these are guys who put a little money in the jackpot. These are cowhands. This yeah. is not professional. There's no money there. There's a bunch of trucks parked around it with the guys and their girlfriends and beer waving the guys on, and the you know and Cal and I were kind of joined in. They 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 didn't even. They had didn't have an ambulance there. They didn't have anything. They had a, a food truck. So if somebody got hurt, they put ice on it. And, you know, everybody was, uh, uh, I, I always thought it was funny. All the Calhouns are called Roy Bob or something like that. And they would go and they'd get tossed into the mud. And they'd say, you know, and I mean, it would just be smashed into the, you know, fall off the horse or whatever. And they're half drunk anyway. And as they try to stagger up, they say, let him do it alone. It's okay. Help. You know, it's like show no pain. The thing was show no pain. So I, from that memory, when he said, could I have an animated character? I then, I in mind a cowhand doing gun tricks, flying over the shoulder, up around. And when he puts it back in his holster, he shoots himself in the foot and wanders <laughs> off, which is the end of the film. Billy loved it, fell apart. But I just basically mimed it. And that's what it was. And so where ideas come from is life experiences. You absorb everything and you do not know when you're going to use it. Yeah, it, you know, it isn't like, oh, I'll go through the file. You know, I, I, he, I, you know, he didn't call me up and said, do you, you, you know, do you have a cowboy guy you can do? It? I just did it on in the moment, and I yeah. think other people. I, I'm sure if you talk to Brad Bird or some of the other people, I mean, these guys are living. Yeah, you know, they're energized. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I had this conversation uh, not long ago with Don Hahn uh, talking about uh, going on those research trips uh, that they do for uh, the various pictures at Disney. Uh, you know, e e each new picture they do there, there's some sort of a research trip that goes to whatever the the theme location uh, of the film is, you know, like on Lion King, when I was talking to Don, uh, all these artists went off to Africa and spent, you know, uh, a fabulous couple of weeks in Africa being immersed into the, you know, the the animals and the Serengeti and the, just the environment there. So so, you you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's the all of these life experiences you, you need to have them tucked away because you don't know when they're going to be uh, popping up uh, oh, and useful. Yeah. You have to be curious. I, you know, we had the only time I would think that's great. The only time I can remember on Roman City, I went to Rome and, you know, throughout uh, looking up uh, ancient Rome, uh, Roman ruins. Mm -hmm. And you don't get it by photos. You don't get mm -hmm. it's like the same thing. You're going to go to Africa. There's something you come back with because obviously you can get reference. Yeah. You know, ref it's more than reference. 
you're there and you go and you, you know, and you see the aqueducts and they're, they're amazing 2000 years later and you're walking on them and you see the scale and you, you start to get, I mean, it, it, it's one of the few things as an, as a artist, unless you're Disney or some, you know, you know, now some other large studios, you don't get to do research trips. When I, did the one for Roman City, David McCauley's, uh, you know, based on his book. Uh, after that, all, when I travel, I always try to make it, uh, it's more than, I'm going to say, it's, it, it's a learning experience. I want to make it something deeper because that really, it meant a lot to me. I, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I learned about the people and that, but it was it was so important. And uh, the producers of, of it said, you know, you need to come along. And I'm so glad they did. It was like a caravan of nine of us, you know, little, you know, little truck that we went everywhere with uh, uh, David McCauley, who knows Rome. I, it just is fascinating. We used to walk mm. the streets of Rome at night. And it's like a lit set. Sure. In Rome. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and it was like, it was like, I had a guided tour through Fellini movie, you know, with, with uh, David. But going back to it, yeah, it's like experience the world and have your own experiences and in in absorb, uh, you know, because we all are, we're really unique and we're different. And if you're an artist, you you will have something to say. It's funny when you you can reach more people by being yourself. Yeah. Well, the Roman City was a fabulous project. I was uh, happy to uh, do a little freelance with you on I that loved, project. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about Jurassic Park because, you know, when I think of Jurassic Park, you obviously think about, you know, those incredibly, you know, um, CG animated dinosaurs that uh, uh, were done up at uh, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. And uh, and I sit there and go, uh there there's a story there because you got an animated you like a small animated piece in a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. How did that one come about? Well, uh, he was on the lot. It was Amling films. He was on the back lot of uh, universal. Yeah. And they called me up. I assume they, you know, usually we get called up most of the time. It's always, they're calling up other people, but you know, you only see them, you know, by yourself. They called up and uh, I met directly with Stephen. And uh, it's fascinating. Uh, Stephen's one of the most focused uh, directors I've ever worked with. Yeah. And, you know, really, really busy. You know, like when you, uh, I've worked on three films with him. And uh, you, you get in line when you go to have a meeting with him there's like 15, 20 people, maybe like four or five different studios waiting to see him. I'm yeah. a stu- you know, when I go see him, I only go with myself usually. Uh, but, you know, you, he, and he sees every pop, 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 and he's got his answer. Yes, no, no, he's not. There's, I don't know if there's a gray area. Yeah. Uh, Steven. So he, when we talked, he, what he wanted was just going back to, I think it's either the fifties or sixties, but there was the bell 
uh, Mr. Sun series of uh, TV documentaries hmm. and the way they spoke. It was uh, the animation was done by UPA and he wanted that feeling. He that, wanted yeah. it to be folksy and explain. And of course, the thing was that he needed to explain DNA mm -hmm. in a very simple way, because as he, you know, as we talk, they got to believe this is possible that through a fossil, you know, through fossil, not fossilized, but, you know, little crystal mosquito, the DNA that could be reproduced that, you know, that you could make dinosaurs from what they sucked up you know right and 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 actually it turns out to be it's, it's a possible premise you know it's sure. not impossible right right uh, but we're just explaining it in the easiest terms and he was great to work with we oh we didn't go through a channel of people well we're i on all my projects i worked directly with him i would have maybe sometimes michael king come rather his uh, great editor would be in the room or you know there might be some other people but it was always him always him he doesn't he's not one who well, says what do you think right i don't think he's he, he, that's not his nature yeah uh, he's uh extremely focused as i said so we you know robert palouse designed uh the film uh i would make the presentation sometimes robert would go along and i had heard he was a really really tough taskmaster mm -hmm. that you know there were you know and i know on some of the other films i worked on there were people just could not get approvals from them they would yeah. go back particularly like a minority report these special effects people were going crazy they just mm -hmm. could not get approvals wow. i remember on minority report i would walk in i would walk in I would have a five minute meeting with them, walk out and I would see them look at me. Cause I'd see, you know, every time I went there, they had the same group of people trying to get <laughs> approval. They were, and there was a, you know, an effects wrangler, Rob uh, Yamamoto would say, you know, you, you have it so easy. These guys are suffering. <laughs> uh, so what happened was we went through, we did, he approved everything. Uh, and including when we went to have our, uh, the pencil test approved. I went on the set of Jurassic Park. He was there with Kathleen uh, Kennedy, his uh, producer, and he was going to meet me during lunch. So uh, he's eating his lunch, and I'm showing him the pencil test. And I brought along I brought along my editor and my head of ink and paint because uh, I I figured uh, I would just be answering him, and they take the notes on the changes. Mm -hmm. And it was it was so great when I finished. He jumped up, you know, knocked his food over, put his arms up, you know, like, uh, what was it, like 45 degrees. And he's going, I got a cartoon in my movie. I got a cartoon in my movie. <laughs> he's jumping up and down. No changes. And we went through and I never had a change in three films with uh, uh, Stephen. He never changed anything. And my wife, Teresa, says to me uh does that happen oh i go oh yeah yeah and i realize no it doesn't happen you know you think if someone lets you have 80 percent of what you presented you yeah. think it's a complete success yeah yeah but, uh, 
how do you think how do you think uh uh uh, you got on steven's radar with jurassic park was it do you think it was because of you know like uh, the city slickers and max dugan returns and you know i had uh, a feeling honey i blew up the kids and things like that i'm sorry i think it's blue dinosaurs oh yeah i think the chevron commercials yeah ah awesome that's very interesting I mean, even though it was much later that he, he called me in, uh, you know, it, it's Chevron had such an impact on the industry when we did Chevron. Um, and I, I have, I'm constantly, people will come up to me. Some I know, some I don't know, but sometimes when I introduce, when I'm introduced to somebody in the business, they said, uh, I, I came into this business because of Chevron. Wow. Just two weeks ago, Susan Goldberg said to me, you know, I was going to be a veterinarian. And then I saw your Chevron. <laughs> and I had to, I had to go to Cal arts and, you know, and I, and it's like, uh, it's kind of the residual of destroying an industry or whatever. Uh, it, it was, it affected a lot of, young talent and of course we had a we had we were cut loose you know they didn't they didn't know they cut us loose but we yeah. were cut loose and got to do what we wanted to do the, with the chevron commercials some of the first commercials you did under kurtz and friends no i, I that was in about like my two or three years in uh, okay uh, i i did united and i did uh baskin robbins um Early on, I did uh, Kitty Salmon. Okay. It's, you know, kind of, uh, they played, I did Kitty Salmon commercials, which, you know, I, 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 again, I, I got cut loose. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they ran as theatrical shorts in Boston, and I got money for them. Oh, that's <laughs> they, fantastic. Yeah, because the owner of the company ran off with the money. <laughs> so they he liked what I did, but I, I worked for, as uh, Teresa said, I worked for a lot of the crooks in the business because I had a lot of companies I worked for who the owner took off with the money. You know, oh, sort of like, uh, uh, you know, it, I'm not the only one. I remember Richard Williams uh, was going to hire me in the 60s. I, you know, I sent my portfolio to him and his partner ran off with the money and I met him. I think it was in the eighties and we had lunch and he told me he wanted, and that's the first time I found out that uh, he wanted to hire me, but he had no money. Oh my god! And gosh. I thought, what would have, that would have, what would have happened? What would I have done if I've gone, you know, cause I decided that was in that, the area I was telling you bad times yeah. in the sixties. And I thought I got to get out of here. Yeah. I even was going to go into live action writing and I was being uh, tutored by Gary Marshall, look at you know, the great comedy writer. And yeah, I was, I was writing spec comedy uh, scripts. So you you you're still doing Kurtz and Friends, right? Uh, and uh, what's in the future for you? I don't know. Uh, Lily gonna... Tomlin and I constantly talk about doing another Edith Ann. Mm-hmm. I have a couple other you know projects that people want to do nothing you know that's specific you know i don't know want to land of course right now as you know i'm writing a book yes uh, i was going to get to that because i mean you've told some fabulous stories but i have no doubt 
and I know for a fact, there are a tremendous amount of stories that you have, and we haven't even scratched the surface. Uh, and so what's happening with your book? Uh, well, I'm rewriting it and, uh, I keep changing the title, you know, uh, I'm hoping to at least get finished with my polish in the next few weeks and, and see, and it's, it's, it's basically right now the tentative title is hot damn another tell-all book <laughs> and it's about legends and clowns and misfits yeah. and uh it's basically funny uh uh and what i want what i want to do i'm so fortunate in having known so many really wonderful people and great talents and i have first person stories not stories that have been told to me i mean we all have you know there are these stories of frizz or you know chuck jones or you know and again i have a lot on you know on corny cole and that sure. i was very close to uh i mean very close to uh so what i want to do is i want to leave a record of who these people were um i want to show the humanity and how funny uh, there's so many funny funny stories some touching stories but these it really have these are things that really happen and there should be a record because um that time in animation is as corny cole used to say it's the middle years and i didn't even know what quite what he yeah yeah meant. Uh, and it was uh, in the 30s. Well, obviously, Winsor McKay started us all off, uh, sure. as far as I'm concerned, uh, in like the you know turn of the century. But in the 30s and 40s, animation was created. I mean, you know, it was the golden age. It was the yeah, golden the age. Yeah. Said. yeah. Uh, in the 60s to the 90s, there was this wonderful growth of 2, 2D. And then in the 90s, CG came in. And we're sort of the middle age. Uh, I'm not middle aged, but in, in between. It's an in between point where we're we're you know there was a you know as we know the gap of the you know the Disney Nine Old Men, all those people you know mm -hmm. the Frizz, the Chucks, yeah. uh, every, all those people you know Walter Lance, whatever you know all the people who formed. Uh, actually our life, you know, animation for me was such an important part of my life, even before, you know, as a kid, I loved it. You know, you yeah. saw it constantly. So it's that middle ground and it was a very vital time. And, and uh, of course, up and down. And as I said, there was employment, there wasn't employment, there was excitement and there wasn't, you know, like anything, but it's like anything. Time. It went through cycles, uh, just like yeah. anything else. I, I, I'm, I'm for for one looking forward to this book because I, and, and I will tell the audience I've had a peek at a draft, yes. uh, which I've had a chance to read, and there is some incredible stories in there, and and I'm gl I'm so glad that you are uh, putting it down on paper and making that record uh, because it is part of the entire industry. It's it's part of the humanity of it all 
right? Yeah, that's 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 exactly it. And in in writing the book, Mark Davis used to tell me, you know, he said he always hated these books where you know I did this and I did that, and yeah. I did, which <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and and that rings every time I sit down to write. Uh, it rings with me. Okay, can't be about me. Yeah, you know, it's about. Uh, uh, all, the, all those right. wonderful, all those wonderful talents like Corny yeah. Cole and and people like that. Yeah, I'm. I want to. You know, it, it's. I'm trying. You know, at times I will talk about. You know, obviously I'll talk about certain amount of successes, but I like in in with Chevron we had the craziest client possible yeah. you could ever have. Sure. And I tell stories about that. That doesn't seem like he's really from our lifetime or our planet. Uh, it was strange to get things by him. So it's getting all, uh, it's, I, I, and it's like, I owe it to the families of these people. And, you know, and we've talked about it, you, you and I, Dave, but, you know, I want to talk about the wonderful teachers from Chenard to the people I work with, to Walt, to, you know, I, I, I've worked with so many good people. I've known so many good people. And the other thing I want to do, it's always hate art books with no pictures. You know, I just said, <laughs> how can you talk about art? I know. Have a picture? <laughs> exactly. So I have got together a lot of material that's not been seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, and because uh, T, he left me a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Hal, I have stuff of Cal Howard. Uh, I have some stories that go along with pictures of Mark Davis. Sure. Uh, I have a I have a lot of visual material, and I'm hoping you know my goal, you know, hopefully is not only have something you can read. I also I, I want it to be a different you know a different kind of experience where you you can pick you can start anywhere in the book. Yeah. In other words, if you choose, if you don't like to start at the beginning of a book, yeah, you can you, you can jump around because I'm pretty much my thought process is basically rambling. So I go from one thing to another and I slip around and I go, No, like no, really? <laughs> I, I don't I know your audience hasn't got a clue that I wonder. I have a brain, you know, T used to love listening to me, he said, because it was like some, watching some guy walking down a hall, going into another, going to a side door, coming out another side door. And he would wait until I tied everything together. He's and just, you always what? do. And you always yeah, do tie like, it together, well, which is what what, I, which I, is the I beauty of it. Myself. I could say I amazed myself, but T was always amazed that out of this rambling wandering thing that i somehow made a connection and i hope i did with your audience and, i i hope so too parting words bob what, what what would you say to our audience especially those people that are out there that may be considering a career in animation or the film industry and they're they're newbies then maybe they're in animation school or in a, in a film school right now what, what would be that one concise piece of uh, advice Hmm, I don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> For a rambler, you want one advice? <laughs> uh, I know that I just, did I just uh, sort of lay, lay a question at your feet? That's going to yes, give us did. a 20 uh, minute, a 20 minute answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I can do, you know, uh, 
uh, you know, it's a, it, it, it's so funny because when I used to go out and lecture, uh, I had nothing planned. They yeah. ask me one question and I go on for 20 minutes, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? so, uh, to young talent, uh, I say this, my daughters hate this word. I have one word that I use a lot, particularly with them. And I do it with even my, my, my grandchildren. I say passion, have passion for what you do. Or don't do it. Or don't do it. In other yeah. words, uh, it's not a halfway thing. Uh, one of the things about getting, I mean, it's a one, you know, uh, if you love drawing, you love making film, not the thing about I'm going to get rich or I'm going to be, you know, people are going to know me or what you ask, you talk about any of the people you admire. And that's not why they got into it you're you're driven many of us and we're so diverse most of us are misfits is we needed to do it it's it's part almost like your dna you can't give it up i mean uh i'm I'm, you know given you know i'm not gonna be given another lifetime but i would be doing the same thing the pleasure i get from drawing from creating from tearing apart <clears throat> uh, other people's films <laughs> to you know restaging as you know i i give lectures on comedy staging and it drives me crazy when i watch a comedic idea uh not displayed well right you know i still and i'm going why are you doing that you know i mean it's like uh, uh you know i I was asked uh, once at a seminar by Jay Meisel, great uh, 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 photographer. And uh, we were both doing a seminar and he came to my seminar and that I was talking and he asked me a question and he says, who are your influences? And I said, Chaplin, Keaton, Picasso, you know, I had a lot. And he said, and he said back, and he says, that's really interesting. Everybody he's ever admired, he says their influence never come from the field they're in. They come from outside the field. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really interesting. I mean, and I thought, yeah, it should be because if you start saying, I mean, I, I wasn't going to say uh, Tihi or that because they're a part of me. I mean, there's yeah. so much. I mean, it is me, but we're talking about who do I look for to, I guess you call them fluids. They're outside. Mm-hmm. I think you have to bring something to animation. You don't take it from animation. Right. You have to bring it to animation. Um I want to give if I if I can I give what you can cut it out. No, no, but, do it. Go for it. Uh, and when I did Chevron, we wanted to do before that. I wanted to do metamorphic animation, and uh, because of Winsor McKay and after Dumbo or whatever. But it, at the time I was doing it in the uh, mid seventies, uh, there was no metamorphic animation. I thought it's it's 
it's such, you know, I had not done it. I wanted to do it. My co-designer wanted to do it. And we we kept trying it on different clients and they'd go, what? What is that? Where can I see it? You know, you couldn't sell it. And then we had this opportunity to do Chevron. And we came up with this idea. And again, one of the things is we had blue dinosaurs. And someone's going to say, why blue? Picasso once said, when you quit, when you paint grass other than green, you'll be an artist. Mm -hmm. In other words, you don't do the obvious. Right. So we had blue dinosaurs. We had that. And besides being metamorphic, I, in, I think it was the late 60s, there was a thing called the snorkel camera. And cameras were always bulk, bulky in live action. And they started using it in commercials. And it was a camera that was designed. It had a little teeny rod and it bent and it bent. And you could, you could go in and out of glasses and it went up and down and you could see someone's hand. You could move in and see a plane hand. It, it was like this little needle thing that went around. You could go anywhere. And I thought, I'm going to adapt that to animation. So when we did the metamorphic animation and we're moving around dinosaurs, I changed our viewpoint. Mm -hmm. We went up and down and we just imagined there's no graph, no CG. And right now they would, you know, they would plan it and sure. you lift yeah. it and you do it. You can do all that. Right, right. We did it with, in our imagination and our minds and our animators under stress, we made the first 60 uh, second spot in uh, less than two weeks. Mm, wow. Uh, once we got the approval, because they already bought the air. It was a crazy time. Mm. And, you know, people were sleeping, people not going home. I mean, sleeping in the studio. Yeah. I mean, we just, somehow we made it. But all the animators who had not done Metamorphic, and I had done it in such a way that nobody knew how they hooked up, you know, that old, trick that studios used to do you know from studio to studio where you give someone the the first and last drawing of your scene and then you go on so nobody knew how they hooked up right so it's really funny to see the animators see what happened <laughs> i mean i you know because we, we didn't have time to explain the animators got it they did they did great i had a great cameraman in john dagarian uh we had we had no cuts and no reshoots. I, I know uh, to your audience today that doesn't mean anything. I know you know like uh, you know that, but it's but but I I get it. I I totally oh, understand that, what you're I, saying. You, Holy moly! How good is that? Yeah, that's fantastic. You know? uh, so, it's uh, if I answer you, but it, it's passion. Passion, it, passion it, it, is it. I, well, there you have it. That's that is. That is the parting words from the great Bob Kurtz. Uh, if you <laughs> if you're going to get into this business, you have to have passion. I, I, you know, look, no matter what you're doing, not just animation. If, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a lawyer, you have to be passionate about what you're doing, or don't do it. Uh, don't don't do a half-assed job. You know, put, go all in, a hundred percent, and have uh, you know un unbridled passion about what you're doing. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've watched documentaries on farmers who are doing new things and their passion about it is great. If you watch some, you know, we need more passion 
we need more one-to-one, you know, we need more humanity in our, in our lives. And animation is a great, I mean, it's more than a tool. Uh, God, I love animation. I think I might have a passion for animation. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do, Bob. And and I gotta say, thank you so much for being on the skull rock podcast. Uh, I know we're going to have you back again, because as I said, at the very, very beginning of the first show, uh the fact that you got a lifetime achievement award in 1991 and now we're 30 years later and you've done all of this magnificent work since then uh you you need to get a second lifetime achievement award at some point uh because because you're still going you're still going and you still have a lot more ahead of you and i look forward to it uh thank you so much my friend oh thank you thank you thank you this this was fun This is fun. Your attention, please. Now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. Wow, Dave. And there we go. Just another epic interview. Bob Kurtz, part two in the can. You know, with with Bob, I, I mean, I can just sit there with a cup of tea. And just listen to him for hours because he just has so many fantastic stories. I mean, he's he's seen it all through mm-hmm. through the decades, you know, and, and it's just so amazing. I'm so glad we were able to have him back on and to have part two of this epic interview with him. Absolutely. It's always great. And yeah, he has done it all, man. But they make for great stories. And we look forward to having him back on the show to tell more stories. Uh, cannot wait for that. So, gang, once again. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show and I would please uh, subscribe to the show if you just fallen upon or if you just stumbled upon the show we'd appreciate you giving us those likes the subscribes also uh, follow us on all the social platforms as well Facebook Twitter Instagram uh, be sure to check out our Facebook and email we would love to hear from you Dave at skullrockpodcast.com or Aljohn at skullrockpodcast.com and pl- please kick, uh, click that message um that message tab too there at anchor.fm and leave us those voicemails and we can we can include them in an upcoming show i think that'd be amazing dave another great show in the bag it really is and as always peace and love to everybody out there in uh podcast land uh thanks for listening to us and we'll see you again next week right here on the skull rock podcast I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock podcast here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times so they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next disney cruise disney park trip adventures by disney they can contact me at theme parks and cruises at gmail.com skull rock podcast is made possible by listeners like you we'd love to thank Charles, Lindsay, Spencer, and Joshua. To support this podcast to sustain future episodes, 
visit anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host a Disney List podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, The Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.